Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. to this two-part episode of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Today, she is at Castello di Volpaia, in the heart of Tuscany. Stevie Kim sits down with Giovanella Stianti Mascheroni and her daughter, Federica Mascheroni Stianti, to talk about their epic estate, their amazing labels, and of course, the history of this iconic family. And remember, if you would like to watch some footage of the castle and the interview, just head to our sister channel on YouTube, Mama Jumbo Shrimp. All right, so let's taste one wine. What are we tasting? Why don't we taste uh, the Colta Sala? Why don't we, <laughs> since it's the only one open? Yes, don't say it. I have all the line up over there. <laughs> okay, let's taste this one wine. The Colta Sala. This is the 2018. And from the 2015 uh, vintage, uh, it is a Gran Selezione. Oh, okay, it's Gran Selezione. Yes. All right. So tell me, how would you give me the tasting notes? Hmm. She's going to do this. <laughs> she's going oh. to do <laughs> I notice when she doesn't want to speak, she's like, look, you do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look at her. Yes. Well, I'm the mother, let's yeah. say. <laughs> I'm not really a person that has a lot of words, so I'm not really able now. To I had to... noticed. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to escape uh, since the beginning uh, okay. to, to, to talk. But um, for sure... No, you don't have to a, give me like, yeah, you know... A, like, uh, you I'm not asking for, you know, James Suckling. Luckily, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. because I was already red in the color of uh, my, uh, my cheeks. Uh, for sure, you have... If uh, in the Chianti Classico you have a cherry, in the um, Colta Sala I found much more uh, um, amarena. How do you say? Um, um, yeah. Amarena. Amarena. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's amarena. <laughs> so the, the um, uh, um, darker cherry, the, the one that is uh, rounder, and uh, less acid uh, than uh, cherries, mm. softer, and then um, the blackberry. And then, then you have um, the structure is a wine that is aged also in barrique. Uh, so the structure uh, is also coming from the wood. But what we try is like not to impress it too much with the wood. So only one third is the new barrique. Oh, okay. And how many is in barrique? How many months? Yeah, how many months? Um, it's uh, roughly, depends about the vintage, uh, between 18 and 24. Uh, and you know, and now to become a Gran Selezione, you need a minimum of six months uh, right. after in the bottle. Right. So, um, bottle aging. Yes, mm -hmm. that is very important. Uh, sometimes uh, a lot of people uh, doesn't really take care about this point, uh, but it's, uh, it's incredibly important, uh, the, the aging in the bottle. And for me, the best bottle is the manual. It's the perfect uh, dimension of the, 
of the bottle and the cork on top. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Try to have an aged uh, magnum in the same vintage as a normal uh, 750, and it's, uh, it's a different. You can feel so, it. So, you know, you know, we were walking around the Borgo, okay, uh, Hamlet, as we found out today, and it is incredibly, for me, amazing how you were able to create a bona fide winemaking facilities. Okay, so we spoke about, you know, the winemaking facilities, but inside of these small buildings, right, and how it's integrated. So tell us a little bit about the Borgo and your day-to-day -day life with the workers here. <laughs> well, when there is something that started many years ago, we, we, she looks at me. Anyhow, yes. I mean, really, is the, the soul of everything was my husband. I always say that my husband didn't marry me. He wanted Volpaya, and the only way to have Volpaya was to marry me. Uh -huh. So I was part ah, of a package. Okay, okay. He really felt in love with this place where we were coming just as a engaged and, uh, and then he started working and he was going very well with my father so at the beginning he had no money so my father <laughs> helped he had the idea and mm -hmm. my father was financing the idea so it was a good team huh? and they started that one thinks at a time that no, we didn't do everything at the same time huh? and uh, also we never knew that we would be what we are, because I'm sure that otherwise we would not do it, because it's so fascinating. And as long as we don't make money, mm -hmm. at least we live in a nice place. We enjoy what we do every day, and that is the best reward that we can have. Because I think your family was one of the very first utilizing the cold fermentation, um, control fermentation Absolutely. vessels, right? Yes. That was really something that we, I mean, we changed it five times the, the way we ferment the wine. Mm -hmm. But every time was something new. We realized that the, the wine could, I mean, we start doing the stainless steel. So with stainless steel, you cannot leave it open because you start the fermentation when it's very warm. So it's like making a soup and have the heater at the maximum. So it boil, 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 and all the perfume will leave. Mm -hmm. So we immediately understood that in wood it would be different because there's much more insulation mm -hmm. around. But with stainless steel, it was very important to control the, the temperature. temperature. And we, we had this project that this person just made for us because... There was not so much people doing this way. Now everybody are more or less abandoning this way and they're coming back to cement that we already started, uh, tried. Now there is a many different ways of fermenting. Uh, and uh, that's dependent from your own taste. For example, the nowadays fermentals in clay. I tasted the wine. It's my personal taste. I don't like. It's not bad. Right. I don't like. Yeah, you don't have um, like the eggs, you know, the exactly. fashionable. Exactly. Everyone has like some eggs now. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So let's talk about, if you want, a little bit about your other estates and the type of wines you make. You guys are looking at each other like, <laughs> you take it. No, you talk about it. No, no, you talk about it. No, that's not my estate. 
My father gave me this, mm -hmm. and her father gave the other one instead to her. Uh -huh. So everything is repeated in the years, and so that's the present that my husband gave to Federica. So the one in Marema. And yes. what about Pantelleria? That one is my brother, I'm sorry. We oh, he's not here. here. Yes, yeah, so we miss uh, the singer of the family. Yes. <laughs> No, he, that is a project of my brother. I think it is a problem of my family. We are not able to have a house without a vineyard. Oh, okay. So, so if you need a house, you buy a vineyard with it. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I, I think this is the main uh, issue of the family. Good thing you only had two children because otherwise <laughs> exactly. you would have, yeah, exactly. 10 estates. Absolutely. Okay, so tell, tell me a little bit about Marema. What kind of wines do you produce? It's very different. It's only two hours by car, but it's a totally different microclimb there. It's in Castiglione della Pescaia, in Maremma, Toscana. So it's like one hour driving southern than Bulgari. Where we are located, it's near the seaside. So Maremma is quite a wide area. It goes even very much inland also. And so being so close to the sea, we don't grow very much Sangiovese. Uh, actually, now we are in the process of replanting most of the vineyards. What we are very happy and uh, what we, we see is growing very well is the Vermentino. Yeah, of course. There, I mean, following the steps of what uh, Liguria or Sardinia has already done, Marema is now focusing very much in the Vermentino, in aged Vermentino, so even in Reserva. So that it's, uh, and then obviously we have uh, the grapes, uh, the red grapes on the Cabernet side. And so when, when was the first vintage? 2007. Okay, so but the doing... Vermentino arrived a little bit later because it was not planted and we planted there. And what about Pantelleria, even if Nicolas isn't here? The first vintage is 2011. Yes. So you have, and do you do any sparklers? <laughs> you, you do it, right? No, that is the passion of my brother. Oh, okay, he does it. Where is he doing that? Part is, the, is done here. So we have 100% of Sangiovese. From Volpaia, from oh, okay, a single so vineyard. In and it, it's Metodo Classico. Esatto. Right? Yeah. And Millesimato. Okay. And, uh, and we are doing since the 2010 vintage. And, and it's a small production, right? So it's like, uh, in Italian you say sfizio. I love that word. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It's very sfizio, yes. Okay. And then, uh, in the, more or less in the same moment, uh, he, he has a house. In Pantelleria? But uh, no, another one in Oltre Popavese. Oh. So pay attention. He's trying to, to, to buy something there. Oh. I'm, I am forcing here. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> And so he, he joined the south and north of, of Italy. So the Pinot Noir from Oltrepo and the Azelicor d'Expedition, the Passito di Pentelleria. And so it's, this wine is made up in the north uh, in Oltrepo Pavese. It's nothing about our own grapes, but there is this uh, project uh, too. And it's a sparkling, it's a spumante. Okay. So, yeah. you know, uh, we spoke mostly about winemaking. I briefly touched on the vineyard management, right? Mm -hmm. Can you give me like, like the five things that we need to know about the different types of uh, microclimate, the soil structure and altitude, the exposure to sun, can you, mm -hmm. the wind, closeness about to the sea? Yeah, about this, in, because it's very elevated, right? Where does it start? Are you enjoying this podcast? 
Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods, and taking in the scenery. Start the, the lowest vineyard is the one of the Castellino. It's around 350 meters. Uh, and it is the one that now we are making uh, the sparkling wine from there because it was uh, the low one that for most of the other people is the high one. Then uh, more or well, less... What is the altitude? 350, 350 there. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, from, uh, from there we go up. The new vineyard that we have over Volpaia is uh, reaches 650 meters, mm -hmm. so very high elevated for the area. So for sure, we have elevation that is a, quite a characteristic. Then uh, we our expose uh, we look south, mm -hmm. southern exposure obviously is nothing flat. So you you have southeast, southwest, and then in different slopes. Are you able to do mechanical harvesting here, or mm -hmm. no? Everything is hand harvested. Yes. Everything is hand, hand picking and uh, work. Uh, it's a lot of work. Yes. And people that come so for the harvest, uh, the second time, the second day, not always they come back because it's very much work and going up and down, very stony. So another characteristic of Volpaia, a lot of stones in the vineyard and sand. Yeah, we um, saw that. It's very rocky. Yeah. So this is um, it's really a huge difference after in the wine. So minerality. Microclimb, because of the elevation, we have the valley below. So even uh, in, at the end of the season, like September, more in October, sometimes uh, we see the vineyards in the bottom of the valley that could have lost already all the uh, leaves and still have uh, some bunch of grape that has to be picked. But upper, we don't have uh, a lot of fogs or things like this. And so we still have all our leaves on the plants. And so they keep working uh, to ripen the, the grape. For, for sure, the microclimate um, of Alpaya is quite uh, different. And so at the same time, a lot of wind that is good. Uh, it's always windy here, right? Yes, uh, it's good. I mean, in the summer now, with the change of the climate, for sure, we are reaching really high temperature anyhow. So now, but before we didn't, we have never needed uh, air conditioning in the rooms. Uh, now we start to have uh, this necessary. What is the diurnal um, temperature range? Like the difference between the, the high temperature and low temperature here? It, it could be really high because like in the summer, you could be without, a, I mean, t-shirt, even less. But in the afternoon, you need a sweater. Right, you, so it's cool in... We... It, and uh, San Lorenzo, cos'è il... Saint protecting the village. Oh, okay, it's, that's... Uh, I'm agnostic, so whatever. Yeah. But it's uh, August 10, oh, okay. and so it's in the middle of August, so it should be a very hot uh, day. Uh, we were doing a big party uh, every year in the past, and everybody was coming here dressed in a way at the beginning of the day, uh, of the evening, and at the end, they were, everybody was wearing uh, its uh, jacket or its uh, sweater, even if it was uh, August. Yes. But the climate change, we helped us very, very much. Mm -hmm. So we are very uh, high elevation. So previously, we didn't reach the temperature we needed. For the sugar, enough sugar. Exactly. Yeah. So now the problem, if you we, remember that the appellation, mm -hmm tells that Reserva should reach 
at least um, at least a 12 degree alcohol. Now they should say they cannot go over. Right, right, right. <laughs> because the climate and really the people who were very lucky in the 60s or the 70s, uh, today they suffer. I always say, and it's true, I met this friend of mine a few days ago and he just confirmed, I don't tell you the name because he's a good producer, but in 2003 he asked me in a, in a party, did you make wine this year? Yes, of course I did. Why? No, I made marmalade mm -hmm. because there was no juice in the right, grapes right, right. because it's very low located. And uh, But are you picking earlier now? Yes. You are, right? Yes. And what about frost? Is that a problem in this area? Usually in this area could be uh, for lower altitude, uh, but like the last frost um, in, uh, in April that uh, this area had, we were not really impacted. I mean, we had like a 2% of the production, even less. But other people got really big damage. You know, um, so you, the elevation, just getting back to that one nanosecond, um, the difference in elevation, mm -hmm. and it's predominantly Sangiovese, right? Mm -hmm. Is that correct? So do you have different clones according to different elevation? No, not uh, about uh, different elevation, uh, but I was talking uh, today with the winemaker. and uh, Who's the winemaker, by the way? Uh, the local one, the one uh, that uh, has to live uh, with the grapes every day is uh, Lorenzo Regoli. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we have uh, in, in the cellar, um, uh, uh, Roberto doesn't come to me in a surname in this moment. Uh, Pannocchia. Pannocchia. No, Roberto Pannocchia, sorry, it was not a. Then we have a consultant uh, that is uh, Riccardo Cotarella. Yeah, the super enologist, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's, it's nice also to have somebody that works for different wineries and can bring you uh, problems, uh, solving problems, uh, usually, that had somebody else. And then, obviously, it's very important also the people that are working in uh, the vineyards. So Simone Vignali, that is another important person for us. Uh, because uh, and has to be an energy between the three of them that right, has to right. be connected. So there is something um, a new kind of association of Rada. Yes. Yeah. What is what is? Can you tell me a little bit about that? We are now the Vignaioli di Rada. Mm -hmm. So and uh, what is nice uh, is a big connection between all of us. How many producers are there? We are over 20 now. And uh, the, the biggest important things, uh, we eat a lot together and we drink a lot of toge together. It seems, it, seems like a, it seems like an excellent um, reason to have an association. Yeah, and different wines. Yes, and, and uh, different wines uh, from, uh, from the different areas of Rada. So a lot of exchanges. So next week, uh, we have a nice tasting between all of us. Everybody brings his own wine so we can be able to see what we are doing. But it's also an important exchange uh, about uh, what are you doing, uh, what is uh, also even where are you buying the bottles because I have uh, problems uh, with my producer and exchange uh, technical notes, uh, practical notes, and then work together. Try to be much more, sometimes the French are better, no. so try to be much more like French and work together as an association you can make much more impact than work as a maybe, maybe because it's a small group you can work together yeah you know. Italians yeah. are notorious no, no. individualists <laughs> no they don't share individual, individualistic yeah. listen so my last question um, before we close 
What are what are the um, food and wine recommendations for for what are the food recommendations for your wines? Uh, is it anti classico? Is it Sangiovese? So for sure, sit at the table and eat and drink at the same time. Uh, don't uh, don't think about it. For my point of view, I think about it Sangiovese. Drink it by yourself. Uh, I think it's much more pleasure if you have some food with. I'm sorry to be rude with the vegan or vegetarian, but the meat is the best pairing right, right. for for these type of, uh, of wines. So, of course, it's typical, right? Chianti Classico with Fiorentina steak. Yeah. But what about international foods? Like, I don't know, tacos, hamburger. Well, hamburger is very yeah. similar, but so that seems to be like a logical choice. But what are some other... Um, food items internet you travel you hate korean food so <laughs> definitely no korean food okay but what about some other types of international dishes i i i tell the often this story because i remained very um, shocked it was one of my first trip i was in hong kong and was not really able to choose the food mm-hmm. and i was with the journalist and he chose the for me the food and i'm arrived in the front of me this wonderful white fish was looking like boiled white fish. Boiled white fish, yeah. And I said, how... How can you drink it with Chianti? And actually was with a very fat sauce that you were not seeing at the beginning. So the the sweetness of the and the fatness of the, that one was pairing incredibly uh, well with, this, with the structure of the wine. And I was so incredibly surprised and thanking the person. So it's difficult for me to say what is the food. For example, Thai food with the spiciness is wonderful. No, it's it's wonderful. It's low down. It's fantastic. So you would recommend with spicy food? It it doesn't cover up the... um... It's uh, it's low down the spice. Obviously, the spice is always, uh, for me, is always too high. But but, uh, the red wine, when when you have uh, a food too spicy, usually is. Bring a piece of paper, a uh, paper, um, a bread, right. and and then drink a glass of wine, and you will have your mouth that finally breathe again. Right. <laughs> so. so it's making me really hungry. So I think we should stop. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Let's do a chin chin. Thank See, you, chin chin, and chin-chin. thank you so much for the invitation. No, thank you and, very much uh, for coming. Okay. And it's a wrap from Rada. See. Si. In Chianti. Esatto. Okay. Ciao. Ciao ragazzi. Ciao, grazie mille. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.